I'd like to welcome you to the ministry of McCormick's Creek Church. We certainly hope that you will enjoy this selection. He said whatever I had to say, it was for him. Did you hear that? It's a good thing I wasn't there like starting playing kickball. I would just take it on both teams by myself. <laughs> and you're talking about a slaughter. I would have been slaughtered. <laughs> Turn with me to Mark, the 11th chapter. Mark, the 11th chapter. Verses 12 through 14, then 20 and 21. And then from there, we're going to go to Proverbs 1130. I'm going to get right into the Word. Good to have Brother Krauss with us, new pastor at Pine Grove. I'm pretty proud of you. Good job. Good job. It's one thing. you never Don't invite me at Night Ridge to preach. They all know me at Night Ridge. I worked over there too many years. Proverbs 11, 12 through 14. Proverbs, Mark, I'm sorry, I said Mark, I said Proverbs too, don't worry, I I got them both, Proverbs and Mark. We'll go to Mark 11 though, right? Is that what I said? But I also said Proverbs 11, now you can see how I got confused. Okay, Mark 11, 12 through 14, and on the morrow, when they come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply, He might find anything thereon, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of the figs was not yet. This next verse of Scripture is one that has confounded me. I actually preached on it once before, but not quite like this. But it has confounded me for a long time. Now, we can get into the original language, and we can find some things there, but regardless... Verse 14 says this, And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Key word is he answered it. If I was to come up to you and you answered me, what would I have to do to elicit an answer? Ask a question. So it looks like the fig tree asked a question, didn't it? Good. I'll make you a preacher yet. Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11 and verse 30. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he, this is added on, and he that winneth souls is wise. So let's look at this again. First, he says, the fruit of the righteous is tree of life. Now, he adds on this last part because we need to understand that the fruit of the righteous is not just winning souls. There's something else to it. But he wants to be sure that we get the second part, so he adds it, and he that winneth souls is wise. So winning souls and the fruit of righteousness come together. But a lot of people take this verse of Scripture and they believe that the only fruit of righteousness is winning souls. But he added that. He added that. All right. Put your Bibles down. Look up to heaven. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We glorify you. And we ask God that you would use your word to be able, God, to move upon us and open our hearts and our minds. 
which is able, God, to save our souls. Ask it now, in Jesus' name. Turn and tell someone how wonderful they are and shake their hand. If you're, um, if you're a visitor here, I, didn't, I know you've been welcomed already, but I'd like to take a moment to welcome you as well. Thank you for being here. I'm going to preach on the confessions of a fig tree. Confessions of a fig tree. Every time I use the term confessions, I think back. I don't know if they're still around or not, but there used to be a book called True Confessions magazine. All the women used to read it, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> They'd always confess that Hank really loved Sandy, and Sandy liked Tyrell, and you know, and that kind of stuff. We're not talking about that kind of confession today, so get that out of your mind. <clears throat> I know I just put it there, so I'm asking you to get it out of your mind. This this particular instance took place on the Monday of what is known as the Passion Week, seven days prior to his crucifixion, resurrection, or actually five days, I guess. So it was prior to to this. And it's interesting that it's called a Passion Week for him to go up to this particular fig tree and this to be recorded in the gospel. There has to be a great deal more to it, I think, than a lot of people realize. I have uh, told you earlier this has been something that I have looked into, I've studied, I've prayed about, um, and maybe it doesn't amount to a great deal. But I would like, if I can, for just a little while, I, wanna, I want you to, to go with me and follow Jesus and his disciples through these verses with me today. Or tonight, rather, and and I want to I want to show you something here. I, I, and I may not get through all of this; may not need to, but I want to show you in these verses what the Lord's true desire is, what His disappointment is, what His declaration is, and what His demonstration is. I want you to see this with me. As Jesus and His men travel from Bethany. Back into Jerusalem, the Lord becomes hungry. Now, there again is something simple. And it's hard to imagine Jesus having any need. You know, it's just hard. This, this is the one who created all things. This is the one who created foods, trees, the earth, the air, the water. He created it all. And it, it's, it's hard to, it's just hard to imagine that. But yet we see when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the back of, of this donkey, the Bible said of the donkey, the Lord hath need of him. So the Lord had need of, of a donkey. And, and as, as I mentioned, it amazes me that the, the Lord could, could ever need anything. After all, again, he's God. He's the creator. He's the Lord of glory. Yet when Jesus was born into this world, he laid aside his heavenly glory for a time. He just laid it aside. He became just like us. 
The one who made all things became dependent upon the things that he made. The paradox of this, of this earthly life of the Lord Jesus Christ is summed up in the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 8, 9. And he said, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. Now you think about what I just said. The Creator became a helpless infant dependent upon His mother for everything. He owned all things, yet he possessed nothing. He created the stars, yet he had nowhere to lay his own head. He fashioned everything there is out of nothing, yet he had to borrow a boat from which to preach the gospel. He created every drop of water that exists in the world, yet he cried, I thirst, as he was dying on the cross. He created every rock, but he had to borrow a tomb in which to be buried. He used the clouds as his chariots in Psalm 104, yet he had to borrow a donkey on which to ride. Are you with me tonight? All of these things are clear evidence of his humanity. When Jesus was born into this world, he remained fully God, but he became fully man. Don't ever forget that. Yes, he was God. Yes, we rejoice that we know who God is. Yes, we rejoice at the name of Jesus because it is the name of God. But yet, let's also remember that the God was also a man. He was the God-man. And because he became a man, because he became a man, he could feel the things that we feel. He can endure some of the things that we endure. That's why we love Him so much. (laughs) Consider this. Jesus experienced hunger. Jesus experienced thirst. He experienced weariness. He experienced pain. He experienced rejection. He experienced loneliness. He experienced poverty. This is more than can be said about his, or a lot more than can be said about his human experience. But we need to remember that he endured all that he did so that we might identify, he might identify with us. He did everything he did so that he might go to the cross and die for his people. He did all that he did so that he could experience life from our perspective and extend compassion and help to his people. Don't you ever sit, I don't care who you are tonight, don't you ever sit out there and ever question the existence of God. Don't you ever sit out there and and ever question that the one true God that we're talking about doesn't know what you're enduring. That He does know what you're going through. He knows your questions. He knows what you have to endure. He knows about drug addiction. He knows about all of these things. And the God that I serve can change your life in an instant. He can fill you with His Spirit and you can become a new creature in Christ. All things, old things are passed away. All things become brand new. That was his desire. That's his desire, still is his desire, always will be his desire. He wants to experience things like us so that he can know what we're talking about. And you can never go down to God in prayer with any kind of shame in your heart, and he will not know all about it already. Let's look at his disappointment. This text tells that Jesus is hungry. As he walks, Jesus sees a fig tree afar off. This fig tree, you're going to have to walk with me for a little ways with the fig tree. See, I, I can't tell you this biblically. I'm telling you this just 
because I feel this way. Something I've always thought. The Bible speaks of two trees in the Garden of Eden. A lot more, but there's two that that's spoken of. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree of life. Personally, and I'm saying this is me, I believe the two trees stood side by side. The Bible says they were in the midst of the garden. And I believe the two trees had the same fruit. And they were figs. I think that it's not, it's not just a happenstance that Israel is spoken of as a fig tree. And you go through, there's probably a dozen different scriptures in there that read concerning the fig tree and how uh, it relates to Israel and for other, other things. So I believe this is the case. So you have two trees bearing identical fruit. One tree is a no-no. The other tree, they ate of it every day. Tree of life. Every day there's a choice that had to be made. Every day that you get out of bed, you make a choice. Every day you choose what tree you're going to eat of. The fruit of righteousness is a tree of life. Fruit of the righteous, rather, is a tree of life. Every day that we get up, we make that choice. One day, Adam and Eve got up, and they made the wrong choice. And they made that wrong choice, they got cast from the garden. The tree of life was then protected by a flaming sword. Now, whatever you've heard before about an angel bearing a flaming sword, that is not true. The flaming sword existed on its own. It moved to and fro. No angel had a hold of it. You read it in the original language, and that's exactly what it says. It was there. This thing just moved around and around, guarding the tree. Now, we have Jesus seeing a lone tree afar off, probably standing on a hill tree bore the it had the leaves of a fig tree and he was hungry but when he got up there there was nothing on the tree you see before we go to a point that everybody likes to go to right here you know right here is where we get into the 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 the, the part where we can say that this tree look like it's supposed to look, but didn't have any fruit. And we make it a negative for us dressing the way we do. But in reality, how he recognized that tree as something that should bear fruit was because of what it had on in leaves. Jesus always recognizes us afar off by how we're dressed. I thought I'd throw that in just so you'd know. I thought you would enjoy that. So let's take it to the other part. A fig tree is interesting. A fig tree can have leaves, can have blossoms, and have figs all at the same time. So a fig tree can be in all three states at the same time. Have the blossoms, have the figs. Figs on a fig tree are actually right up against the bark. <clears throat> he walks up to this tree. 
And he looks at it. And he answers it. Now, let's just get in. That's just a little Robertson here. Can you help me with this? Can you put up with me a little bit? Okay. You see, I think he looked at it and he says, you're of the group of trees that I put in the Garden of Eden. And I want to know why you don't have something for me. Okay? And the tree answers. Tree language. I'm not into fantasy, by the way. You know where trees talk. I'm just telling you this is what it says. You know, I don't read The Hobbit or any of that kind of stuff. They, you don't know whether I do or not, do you? You wonder now, don't you? Tree language. <clears throat> well, Lord, you got to understand, since, since I was both the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life, I was embarrassed to bear any fruit because look what happened with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And since... There's a flaming sword guarding me, and nobody's eating of me anyway. What's the sense in bearing fruit? Isn't that the way we are? We get into the church, we get our place. No sense in bearing any fruit. I've got seniority. Hmm? I was raised in this thing. I don't know anything but it. What's the sense of me bearing any fruit? And the one time that I bore fruit, the one time I tried to do everything right, somebody criticized me. The one person I won to God, they fell away. So what's the sense in bearing any fruit? Now, if you don't think this is not important, now we're just talking about that kind of fruit, but let's look at the rest of it. Let's look what really fruit's all about. We know the fruit of the Spirit is love, and the attributes of love, long-suffering, mercy, kindness, all of these things enter into this. And before long, you can sit in the church and you can forget what the fruit of the Spirit really should be like. And you can become a lone fig tree standing on a hillside somewhere. With nothing on you but leaves. We forget the purpose in this. We forget. I'm not. I, let's just put aside soul winning for a minute. Let's just let's just look at what we're supposed to be. Let's look at what apostolic really means. You see, I want people to recognize me as apostolic. I want my leaves to be right, but it's got to be more than just the leaves. There's got to be some blossoms there. There's got to be some figs there. There's got to be something that is rich within my life. was disappointed he was disappointed <laughs> you know it's a since the fruit grows and as the tree produces its leaves it was reasonable for jesus to assume that there would be fruit on the tree and when he it came to it yet when he searched the the tree he found it was all leaves there was no fruit to be found you see the fig tree was deceptive because its leaves promised something the tree could not deliver 
And sometimes we just simply make the excuses that I cannot deliver because it just there's just there's too much to it. It's too hard. I can't be there. I can't be faithful. I can't be loyal. I can't give. I can't do any of these things. I can't produce fruit. Why? Because it just doesn't do me any good. The thing is, it's not about you standing out there on the, on the, on the hill somewhere not doing anything. The fact is that Jesus saw you and He said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to bear fruits of something that will sustain me. You see, what we do in the church sustains our Savior. It sustains Him. He, it, he wants something from us. And because he gets nothing from the tree, he curses the tree, and the next day it begins to dry up. You ask God, God, you know, we, we sung that song. What was it? If you ask me, I will follow. What is it? If you leave me, you will follow. What a joke. Sorry. I believe this thing, this is, I'm I'm apostolic. You see, when you get into this thing, you don't get into this thing just to, oh, look at this. You don't get into this thing just to, just to sit on a pew and let the leaves bug, you know. You don't get into this for this. I want to see somebody saved. I don't want, I want to see one more person saved from going to hell. I want to see one more person that's, I want to see somebody grow up. disappointing we can be to God because we sit there and we don't ever grow. We never mature. Let me tell you here, if you're, if you're in this church right now and you're, you're, you're really debating on giving your life to God, I want you to know that you can come into this and you can grow, you can prosper, you can have, you can have, you can have leaves, you can have figs, you can have, you have blossoms. All that can happen. It can happen in a real short time. Or you can come into this half-heartedly and sit back on a pew and find all the fault that you want to find, and it'll always be fault. Let me tell you about apostolic people. We're still people, and there's always somebody that's not doing something the right way. Everybody has the same problem, regardless of what church you may be in. It's still the same thing. We're all not perfect yet. But I guarantee you one thing. You can come into the church and you can be somebody who makes a decision that all you want Jesus to do is to see you standing out there and allow you the opportunity to blossom, allow you the opportunity to bear fruit, allow you the opportunity... Israel had been given every advantage it could be afforded to a people. They had received the personal attention and the redemption of God. They had been planted in a good land. They had the Word of God, the prophets of God. They had the temple of God. They had everything they needed for spiritual bumper crop, but they remained fruitless. They remained that way. Israel had no fruit now, and there would be none in the future. They were useless spiritually and fit for nothing but the fire of judgment. You see, when God will give us every opportunity, but there will come a time when you'll sit there to so, so long that there's a curse placed on you, and you begin to dry up from the roots. 
What are you saying? I'm saying you can get so bitter. You can get so angry. You can find so much fault that before long there's nothing good. You're coming to church just becomes something in rote. You just do it because that's what you've always done. And you just sit on a pew because that's what you've always done. You never clap your hands. You never shout. You never, you never nothing. There's no prosperity. There's no fruit. There's no nothing. You don't ever pray. And if you do pray, it's for half a minute. What are you saying? I'm saying that there is a way of serving God that goes so beyond what the normal person comes into. You're saying that it's normal for me to be fruitless? I'm saying that's become normal for out the church worldwide. And I, I, I'm going to say it. I don't even like to go back to Philippines anymore because there have been so many American preachers there that they messed them up. Yeah. They have become materialistic. When the move of God used to be because those people didn't have anything else, they had God, and God did miracles and wonders in their midst. But because Americans began to hand them money, hand over fist, hand over fist, they began to depend on that instead of depending on God. You see, I'm not in this just to play games. I'm not in this just to have leaves. I'm in this. I'm in this to bear fruit. I'm in this to have something occur as a result of the good things that God can do. You say you're being awful negative tonight. No, absolutely not. I'm being awful truthful tonight. And you see, sometimes there's a little negativity with truth. You think, well, you know, it might have been you could call it negative because Jesus cursed a fig tree. But Jesus did it, so we're not going to call him negative, are we? I'm saying that we can come out of this, can't we? Because it's disappointing. This is disappointing to him. God does not want us to be in this kind of condition. He wants us to do something greater with our life. Is Jesus really the first priority in your life? Or is his will, his worship, his work just an afterthought? Come on. Do you have all the trappings of religion and salvation but no real commitment to God? I'm saying you can receive the Holy Ghost. And in the joy that you receive when you receive the Holy Ghost, it can take you from here to eternity. You can't allow anybody to rob you of the joy that God gives you when you receive of His Spirit. Do you shout, testify, pretend to worship while you hold things in your heart against others? Do you look and act saved to church but live like a devil everywhere else? When first I heard of Pentecost, I thought it was a shame that such unholy teaching should be taught in Jesus' name. So I went on down the road a little ways and came to McCormick's Creek. And I walked in and I took a seat. I'm making this up as I go. (laughs) I had Connie come up to me and tell me about the truth. And I told her, I can't remember anything in rhyme, but she was... She she had a coon climbed up the wrong tree. How's that? I said, it didn't want nothing to do with it. 
But I started looking around and I saw people who were real. And it made me realize that everything on the outside wasn't that way. It made me realize that there can be a reality. Even in the midst of people who are not committed, there are still people who are committed. And if you begin to look at those people, you'll begin to find the answer for all of life's dilemmas. Do you plan your life around all things you want to do, but don't see the need to plan around the Lord's work? Do you have any real fruit in your life? Fruit is always evidence of genuine salvation. When a person is saved by God's grace, they'll bear fruit for His glory, according to 3 John 15. The fruit on the vine is evidence of life within the branch. As a branch yields to the vine, and as the vine lives through the branch, fruit happens. What kind of fruit? A fruit, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, changed life. According to Acts 1.8, a vibrant witness. According to Galatians 5.19, the evidence of inward life. You see, I want something inward. Those fig trees could do it all at the same time. And that's how a child of God should produce all at the same time. I don't need just to have the leaves. I don't need just to have the blossoms. I don't need just to have the fruit. I need every bit of it. Oh, there's a lot of them out there that call themselves apostolic Pentecost. They got fruit, but it's kind of odd looking because there's no leaves on the tree. Imagine if you took a bite of the fruit, it'd taste pretty bad too. Uh, And I could go so crazy right now. I should preach more. I wouldn't preach like this. It's like what the Lord declared just for a minute. Because the fig tree was barren, when it promised fruit, the Lord pronounced a curse upon it. He decided, he declared that it was to be fruitless forever. Some people read this and they reach the conclusion that Jesus operated in a rash anger here. But the phrase at the end of verse 13, for the time of figs was not yet come, leads him to conclude that Jesus was expecting something from the tree that the tree could not do. But that wasn't true. Because we've already discussed that matter. If there was leaves on the tree, there should have been fruit as well. Jesus cursed the tree for its hypocrisy. It's for hypocrisy. You knew what it was like. You just didn't want to bear fruit because you had a bad, a bad deal happen to you in the Garden of Eden. That's why you didn't want to. Just because a woman got up there and grabbed the fruit and, and, and gave it, you think, well, I, I, I can't let that happen again. You ever seen people who've done that, you know, time and time again? They'll do something good one time and something... You understand something. If you ever make a decision to serve God, the devil's going to try his best to, to talk you out of it. And then even if you make, get it past that, he's going to do his best to drag you out. He'll get you right back around the same people that you don't want to be around. People you've never seen for years will come knocking on your door. They do. They'll try their best to drag you back to the pit from which God has pulled you from. But you see, you make up your mind, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow that to happen to me. I'm going to bear fruit. And even though I made a mistake, even though I made a fall and I I had done something that I shouldn't have done, that's not going to stop me from getting up and trying again. Because somewhere along the line, I'm going to get a visit from Jesus. And I don't want to curse as a result of it. 
Same scenario was played out time and time again for us. The fig tree was afar off. Jesus made an effort to go to that tree, and He'll come to examine the fruit in our lives just as well. And for... If we are hypocritical and do not bear fruit as He desires us to, He might just set us aside as well. This was Paul's fear in 1 Corinthians 9.27. This is also the promise of the husbandman to the branches in his vineyard in John 15 and 2. If we make a pretense of religion by flaunting our leaves but having no fruit, He'll judge us just as well. This verse deserves a little closer look, if you would. When the, when the Lord sees a fruitless branch, He taketh it away. This does not mean that He cuts the branch out of the vine. It does not mean that He begins to work in the branch to make it fruitful. He lifts it up. And He trains it to grow like He intends it to grow. That's what that means. He didn't cut it off. He said the thing doesn't know what direction to go. So He lifts it up. And in some fruit trees, you see people tie them up. He wants them to be fruitful. He doesn't cut you off that quickly. He gives, he makes every effort for you to bear fruit. Every effort. So he works on this fruitful branch in order to help it become more fruitful. And his desire is that we bear fruit. More fruit and much fruit. If we yield to Him, His work and His will in our lives will be fruitful branches for His glory. Here is what we need to see today. The Lord is looking for fruit. He finds it in our lives and He'll bless us and He'll cause us to even be more fruitful. The disciples heard Jesus when He cursed the fig tree in verse 14. And the next day as they passed by, they saw the fig tree was dried up from the roots. Peter called the Lord's attention to the miracle. These men could see that the Lord had worked a miracle and that this miracle had a special lesson to teach. This miracle was a clear demonstration of the Lord's sovereignty over all things, including nature. Usually when a fig tree or when a tree dries up, it does it from the top down. The root system will be the last part of the tree to die, but not this tree. Jesus cursed it and it died from the roots up. It's a picture of total destruction all at once. And again, this tree is a picture of Israel. They've been judged by the Lord for their hypocrisy and their rejection of the Messiah. They were destroyed from the root up. The disciples saw what happened. They took it to heart. At least some of them did. And as the music comes, one of their number, Judas Iscariot, was like Israel. He was all leaf, no fruit. He preached, he healed, and he cast out devils. But it was all leaf. There was no reality in what he did. It was all hypocrisy. You ever wondered why sometimes you can hear men talk about great miracles, great evangelistic thrust? I've heard it. Most of you have been around any length of time have heard it. They're just something that never bears witness to what they say. And you can't put your finger on it and you're afraid to say anything. But you know there's something false about it. You see, Matthew, the seventh chapter, tells us you can do all those kind of works, but you'll still be cast out by the Lord. He calls them workers of iniquity. He said, I never knew you. 
even though they did mighty works. I'm not taking the time to go in why this and why this does and why this doesn't happen. I'm just telling you that not everything that looks like a fig tree is a fig tree. And there's some people that have borne fruit before. And because something that occurred or someone jumped on them, whatever it might be, they've just sat back and they've quit. They still come to church and they hope and pray they'll make it to heaven, but they just quit trying. Don't be in that number. Don't be that way. We don't need it. We don't need the spirit of Judas. We need to take this to heart. And we need to believe God like we have never believed Him before in our lives. You see, there's a lot of reasons why people don't get across the Jordan River. One of them is this. While people are marching by going to the river, they are the fig tree that's standing on the hill looking over. Hoping that somebody will notice them and take them along. But because there's no fruit there, no one even bothers. And before long, Jesus himself comes by. Because there's no fruit there, you're cursed. You'll never cross the Jordan. I want you to stand with me. We live in a time of grace. It simply means that God has given us favor. And there's just absolutely nothing out there with the exception of one thing which nobody here has to worry about. That you can't get free from. I'm offering you the opportunity here tonight to come forward, to bow your knees at an altar and say, I do not want to be the one that is cursed. I want mercy to overflow me. I know that I have done some things that I shouldn't have done. I know that the jails are full of people like me. But I have an opportunity tonight to make it right. I have an opportunity tonight to walk away from this place filled with His Spirit. If you need to make it right, if you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, this altar is open for you. There's one down here already. And let me ask, let me ask you, please, would you step forward? Would you come down to this altar, bow your knee, and allow God to get a hold of your life? You'll feel something that you have never felt before. You'll feel a freedom and a joy like you have never experienced in your life. And when God fills you with the Holy Ghost, you're going to be something that begins to bubble up in your soul like you have never, ever had before. You can't even understand. You can't believe that you have this opportunity. You can't believe that God looked down from heaven. But you see, God didn't look down from heaven. He looked straight at you because there's people all around you that are filled with His Spirit. And God wants to take what they have and give it to you as well. Would you come? Would you come? Would you come? Would you bow your knee at this altar? Would you say, Jesus, I'm really sorry for what I have been. I don't want to be this way anymore. I, I know, I know that that I've done some things that I, I'm embarrassed to even speak to you about. You see, you don't have to you don't have to confess every item. You don't have to confess every little thing. You need to just tell him you're sorry for the things that you've done, and he will. He'll forgive you. 
He'll forgive you because you see, when you begin to do it from your heart, you can't help but cry. And you see, God understands the voice of the tears because tears is the voice of the soul. When you begin to cry, it's a soul crying out that you're tired of being the way you are. Would you come? Would you step out? There's room at the other end. There's room down at this end as well. Would you come? Would you let Jesus make a new creature of you? A person that is bearing fruit. A person that has has possibilities in their life. A person that, that knows where they're going. A person that can have, have options like you have never, ever thought possible in your life. Who could have ever thought? And I say this, and I know our church has heard it before, but you haven't heard it. About 34 years ago, I never would have dreamed. I could have ever have stood up here behind a Bible stand and preach. And now I've been doing it for 30 years. 30 years of preaching. And 28 years of pastoring. I can stand here still today in awe of wondering how in the world, God, did this ever happen? How could I have ever, knowing what I used to be like, knowing what I was, but you see, it's not just me saying that. It's people all around me that are saying the same thing. How in the world, God, could I have ever wound up sitting here in this church full of the Holy Ghost, doing a work for God, doing what I do? How could that ever happen? You see, we're all the same, every one of us. I want you to come. I, I've got my eyes closed. I, I feel I, I feel like closing the my part of it, this altar always remains open. But I'm going to put this down, and I want the ministers to get around. And If you would, find someone to pray with. There's some people down here I feel like that need the Holy Ghost, that need a renewing. Uh, would you please do that? Lord, bless each and every one of you. If you need to talk, please make it outside. Please make it outside.